Thank you for listening to this message from Southridge Community Church, located in Clinton, New Jersey. We hope God speaks to you through this message today and that you find new ways to apply His Word to your life. Additional messages and more information can be found on southridgecc.org. So let's get started. We are in a message series entitled, His Name Will Be Called During the Month of December. And it's based on a verse in Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, that says this, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. That verse was written about 700 years before the birth of Jesus. It was written during a difficult time in Israel's history. And Isaiah warns the people, there are difficult things yet to come. But on the horizon, 700 years out, although he didn't give the time frame, but 700 years out, Isaiah's words and Isaiah's prophecy would be fulfilled. Jesus would be born. And Isaiah, in anticipation of that, gives four names of that baby, four names that have a two-part name each. He will be called Wonder Counselor. He'll be called Mighty God or Champion or Hero God. He'll be called Everlasting Father or Father of the Ages and Prince of Peace. Isaiah coupled that with some words saying this, and we'll reference these into our candle lighting. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. And so even though dark times were coming, Isaiah was saying, God is going to step into this world. And even in darkness, even in present darkness, there is hope, there's confidence, there's assurance that God is present with us. This evening, we're just going to take three things that Christmas brings to our experience. Three things that enable Christmas to become real and that we sense in our lives. Now, the first one is this, simply the immensity of our moment, the immensity of our moment. You know, Christmas is probably one of those holidays more than any other that connects us to the larger story of our lives. Uh, certainly when we sit down to Thanksgiving dinner, possibly some dishes on the table remind us of traditions long past. But especially when it comes to Christmas, we're reminded of connections that we have the family in the past, maybe how Christmas has been celebrated, that which begins the season. Uh, maybe some of you are those horrible kind of people that begin Christmas carols the day after, you know, Thanksgiving, that Christmas music begins. Is there any of that? Any of you that? No? Some of you? Uh, some of you have certain traditions that automatically you do because it connects you to the larger story. Maybe it's something your parents did, your grandparents did, something that you always do as a family. And maybe just quick, if a couple of you, two or three, want to call out, does that, do any of you have something like that? Maybe a special dish you have for Thanksgiving dinner, something that begins the holiday season. When you put up the Christmas tree, what is that? Anybody want to kind of like call those out? Anybody? 
No? Quiet group? Like, who wants to call out sort of like when you know it's Christmas, something that connects you to the bigger story of Christmas tradition in your family? Anybody? Your family party. Yeah, okay, your far, family party kind of begin. Yep, awesome. Family party. Anybody else? Setting up the tree. When do you set up the tree? Any particular time? Sometime in November, when you set up the tree, that's when it's Christmas. Awesome. And one more person. Anybody else? When you see the Christmas lights, yeah, people start decorating their houses. Then you know Christmas is starting. Christmas is that holiday that connects us with sort of a, a grander story. Maybe it's a story that began in the past. But, but not only that, Christmas actually does connect us to the grander and deeper story of our lives. Uh, C.S. Lewis, if you've never read one of his books, you really should. He wrote a little booklet called Mere Christianity. It's an incredibly powerful book. These comments are actually from another one of his books called Weight of Glory. And in Weight of Glory, he talks about that, that sense that we sometimes have of being a part of something grander and beyond us. As somehow when we enter the Christmas season, those longings, that sense that we're a part of a grander story becomes part of who we are. We're more in touch with the fact that our story is connected to something grander. He says it, it, our experience of that is, is kind of mysterious. He, he says we have a shyness in talking about it. We're not, we're not really quite comfortable going there because we don't quite have it defined. We don't quite know exactly what it is. But, but there's some kind of connection we have, some sort of sense that we're part of something larger. And yet he says, even though we have that sense of being part of something larger, we never quite step in to fully understanding and experiencing what that is. Here's how he puts it. He says, these longings that we have the sense that we're a part of a grander story. He says they're only the scent of a flower that we've never found, the echo of a tune we have never heard, news from a country we have never yet visited. He said somehow we, we have this scent of a flower, but we've never found the flower. We've heard the tune of music, but we've never found the tune itself. We have this sense that we're part of something larger, but as soon as we try to put our finger on exactly what that is, it escapes us, it's elusive, it eludes our attention. Somehow during Christmas, friends, somehow during Christmas, Christmas connects us to our longings and our sense that we're part of a greater story. When we sing songs like, oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. We have a sense of connection to a holy night. When we sing silent night, we have a sense of some kind of connection to a deeper story of the holiness of a silent night. Somehow we sense that we're part of the shepherds seated in fields when the heavens open and break the silence of the night and suddenly there's a host of angels singing glory to God. 
Somehow we have a sense that we're just a little bit there with the shepherds, kneeling in the hay in front of a manger. Somehow we have the sense that we're connected to the story of shepherds going back out, going back to their flocks and saying, what in the world just happened? What in the world did we just see? Christmas connects us somehow, spiritually, mystically, in the deep of our souls. It connects us to a holy night. It connects us to a silent night. We feel connected in Christmas to a larger story. And that's appropriate because Christmas reminds us that, in fact, we are living in a larger story. We're living in a story where God himself stepped down to earth. We're living in a story where God himself came here, which means simply this, no matter what story that you brought into these doors tonight, no matter what story you sit with right where you are, your story is bigger than just your little story. Your story is not just your pain. Your story is not just your loss. Your story is not just your doubt. Your story also is not just your pleasure, not just your accomplishment, not just your income, not just your career. Your story is not just your disappointment. Your story is not just your loneliness. It's not just your anxiety. Your story is not just your illness or your diagnosis. It's not just your unknown future or your unfulfilled potential. It's not just your fear and shame. Your story is not just your self-hatred, your sense of hopelessness, your whispers of inadequacy. You are not your unmet longings, your unfulfilled expectations. Your story is not just your purposelessness. You're not simply your sense of insignificance. You're not simply your meaningless or confusion. You're not simply your failure, your futility, or your emptiness. Your story is bigger, and Christmas reminds you of that. Your story is connected to the grander story of God coming here. And so, friends, wherever you are, I want you to know that your story is not just maybe the painful story that you have in the moment. Your story is connected to the grander story of God visiting this planet. Christmas connects you to the immensity of your moment. You know, we live in a culture where sociologists talk about deaths of despair and also acts of desperation. There's an increase of deaths and despair, the tragic loss of life. There's also the increase of acts of desperation, random shootings, random killings. Why do we see that? It's because we've lost the touch with the grander story. We're so in touch with the painfulness of the moment, the meaninglessness, the purposelessness of the moment, that our stories have become disconnected to the grander story of God's presence and the fact that he visited this earth in the person of Jesus. Christmas reminds us of the immensity of our moment. Secondly, it reminds us that we experience the gravity of the gulf, not just the immensity of the moment, but the gravity of the gulf or the, the expanse of the chasm that separates us from this God. Lewis made the point 
He said, they're only a scent of a flower we have not found, the echo of a tune we have not heard, news from a country we have never yet visited. Lewis himself says, there's something that separates us. We sense that intuitively. We bring expectations to Christmas. We bring expectations to the holidays. But, but somehow we sense that we never quite step in. We're never quite on the inside that somehow that which we long for, that which our longings tell us is there, is somehow elusive. It's not quite in reach. It's always just beyond a grasp. It's because the message of Scripture says there is a chasm. There is a gulf that separates us from the holy God who created us. Isaiah himself in Isaiah chapter 6 was living in a difficult time of transition in the nation of Israel. And he has this vision. He says, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, exalted and seated on the throne. And a train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Isaiah has this immense, massive vision of the glory and the presence of God. It blows him away. He says, at the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Friends, this was a massive moment of the presence of God. His glory filled the temple. Again, this was a vision that Isaiah was happening. And then here's what Isaiah says. Listen to this. He says, woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Isaiah's response to sing the incredible glory of God is, man, there is a chasm and gulf between us because I'm unclean. He suddenly has a sense that he's an outsider. He suddenly has a sense that he falls far short, that there's a chasm, there's a gulf between himself and this God. Scripture puts it this way. The, the Apostle Paul says this in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It doesn't simply say, oh, humans are terrible, crusty, bad people. No, it says, man, humans were made for the tremendous glory of God. Humans were made for the glory of a holy, transcendent God, and we fall far short. We don't live up to the glory and grandeur with which God created us because there's a gulf, there's a chasm. We're, you might say we're swallowed up in the mud of our evil and darkness. Recently, I was talking with a friend and he had a reason to be kind of looking for something, and he, it was in a very muddy area. And he says, like, I stepped into the mud, and he said, it, it kind of began to sink. And the more that I tried to climb out of the mud, the simply the deeper that I got in. Just kind of like started to suck me in. And the more I tried to get out, the more deeper I sunk into the mud. I've never been in quicksand, but I hear it's a terrible experience because the more that you try to get out, the more that you're sucked in. And so the message of Scripture is this, that our evil, the darkness of our world, is something that we can't get out of. It's like quicksand. It's like mud. It's trying to rescue yourself when you're in quicksand. The more that you try to move, the, the deeper that you sink. So Christmas helps us to experience and helps us to see the gravity of the gulf. 
There's nothing that we can put together that, that, that self-rescue happens to be elusive. That we need a deeper rescue than what we can accomplish for ourselves. And that brings us to our third point is simply this. We're invited into the glory of grace. In Christmas, we sense and experience the immensity of the movement. We experience, of, our, of our moment, we experience the gravity of the gulf between ourselves and God. But lastly, in Christmas, we experience and we sense and we're invited in to the glory of grace. We're invited into the glory of grace. After Isaiah says that he's unclean, here's what he says. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, see, this has touched your lips. Listen to this. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. Isaiah saw the glory of God. He was overwhelmed. He saw the gulf, the chasm that existed between himself and God. And in his vision, God brought cleansing to him. He said, your sin is atoned for. In other words, the gulf is going to be taken away. When Jesus stepped on earth, Matthew chapter 1 verse 21 says this, she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save their people from their sins. In other words, when Jesus is born in Bethlehem's manger, God steps to earth, and we have the glory of grace. Here's the way it works, friends. God created us for his glory. We fall far short of that. But when Jesus is born, and as Jesus lives his life, he fulfills the glorious purpose that God had for his original humanity. You might say Jesus hits the mark of God's glory for all of us. He hits it on behalf of us. He delivers what we could not deliver. Jesus literally fulfills the intended purpose of his humanity because you and I fall short of the purpose of our humanity. Jesus stepped in to live the life that we could not live. Jesus finally was the one who treated others as others should be treated. Jesus is finally the one who had love toward others as we fail to love. Jesus finally is the one who was not envious or greedy or lusting or hateful toward any human being. Jesus fulfilled his humanity precisely because you and I fail at fulfilling our humanity. At the age of about 33, 30, Jesus had a public ministry. At the age of 33, he was convicted and crucified. And in the moment of his crucifixion, he had not only lived a sinless life on our behalf, at the moment of his crucifixion, now he was taking our sin, our evil, our separation, our gulf, our chasm on himself. So in that moment, the offer that Jesus is making is simply this. He says, I will give you my perfect humanity. 
And in my moment of death, I'm taking the failure and separation of your humanity so that the gulf can be bridged, the chasm can be spanned, and that through the glory of grace, we can now become sons and daughters of God. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Verse 24, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Jesus is in the process of renewal and restoration. To renew you, to renew me. And one day he will bring renewal to all creation. I'm going to take a moment and pray. And as I do this, I'm going to invite you to echo some words in your heart along with me as well. To simply open your heart to the God of the universe. So let's take a moment and pray. God, we gather here on this Christmas Eve to celebrate the birth of your son. Thank you that you came here. If you're here tonight and have never, if you're watching online, if you've never prayed a prayer something like this to God, maybe you want to in this moment. Just echo this in your heart. Say, God, I recognize I'm part of a bigger story. Recognize I'm not here by accident. I'm here because of you. I also recognize that I fall short of your glory. My humanity falls short of the purpose for which you created it. Thank you for Jesus who was born in Bethlehem's manger. Thank you that he fulfilled his humanity. And in this moment, God of heaven, I receive the perfect humanness of Jesus and give to Jesus my darkness, my evil, my sin. Thank you for the death of Jesus on a cross where he shoulders the curse of my sin. Thank you that because of Jesus, I can be your son, your daughter, and be part of your movement of grand renewal, redemption, and restoration in this world. God, thank you for the power of Christmas. We ask that in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen.